You probably know Marie Antoinette never said, let them eat cake. But did you know that line was actually written about a Spanish princess 15 years before Marie was even born? This is your brain, and this is your brain on facts. From things you didn't know, to things you thought you knew, to the things you never knew you never knew. Your Brain on Facts is available on all podcast platforms or at yourbrainonfacts.com. Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 56 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. So, here's the thing. This episode originally started out as hot dog themed, because National Hot Dog Day is coming up soon. I found sources saying that it's this Wednesday, the 18th, and others saying it's next Monday, the 23rd. Whatever day it is, I rather enjoy a good hot dog and wanted to celebrate sayings that focused on this delicious foodstuff. But, as it turns out, I had quite a difficult time finding out information about sayings with hot dog in them. So, what I decided to do was just make this episode a sort of hot dog slash camping theme and maybe throw some summer or nature in there because you eat hot dogs while camping and you camp in nature and summer is my favorite season. Anyway, I'll be starting out with a bit about the hot dog and some of the ways we use it in language. Then I'll move on to the rest of today's sayings. Alright toppers, apply some bug spray, light the fire, and grab your roasting sticks because it's time to explore today's phrases, origins, history, and more. We say hot dog or hot diggity dog when we're excited, and hot dog can also mean awesome or job well done. Both someone who's good at something and someone who's a show-off can be called a hot dog. So, why does this one food have so many other meanings? Well, for a term with so many uses, there's not a ton of historical data out there. But I'll share with you what I did find. I'm not going to get too detailed about the rather convoluted history of the humble hot dog, but I'll go over some of the major plot points. We know that sausage has been on the menu since at least the 9th century BC, because Homer talks about it in the Odyssey. Hot dogs as we know them today were definitely invented in Germany, but depending on who you ask, they either came from Frankfurt in the late 15th century or from Coburg in the late 17th century. Either way, they came to America in the 19th century. And while there's also debate about the specifics of this, the two most popular theories both involve Germany. Most people think the first hot dogs in America were served by either an unnamed German immigrant in the 1860s or by a German baker named Charles Feltman in 1871. Both stories pinpoint New York as the American birthplace of hot dogs. Okay. Now that we've gone over that, let's look at the saying. People have been saying hot dog to imply excitement since around the beginning of the 20th century. But honestly, no one seems to know why. In 
Not that I could find, anyway. However, there's a little more information about the addition of diggity to the saying, although not by much. By the early 1920s, folks were saying hot diggity, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. And what likely happened is that the two sayings, hot dog and hot diggity, just became one over time. What I can tell you for sure is what made the saying popular enough to become something we still say today. In 1956, a song came out, written by Al Hoffman and Dick Manning, and recorded by Perry Como. It was called Hot Diggity, Dog Ziggity Boom, and it made it to number one on the Billboard chart the same year it was released. The popularity of the song helped to cement this saying in the vernacular, even if its origins are a bit ambiguous. Let's move on now to the dog days of summer. Toppers, I love summer. I love the heat and the sunshine, the way everyone seems to play a little more, and just everything about it. So the dog days of summer are my jam. It's the time I thrive, even with the humidity down here in the south. Anyway, what are they? We're in the dog days of summer now because it's the time period between early July to early September. Because of the nearly constant and unchanging high heat of this time of year, using the shorter version of this phrase, dog days, can mean something is stagnant, unchanging, or even dull. But why is this saying even a thing? To answer that, we need to go way back in old-timey times, and up into the sky, specifically the constellation Canis Major, and even more specifically, the brightest star in the sky. Sirius. This bright beacon is also known as the Dog Star, and in ancient Egypt, it was kind of a big deal. The heliacal rising of a star is the first time it's seen above the eastern horizon just before sunrise, when it hasn't been seen for a while, but less than a year. Could I have made that any more confusing? Probably. Let me put it this way. Since the stars we can see change throughout the year, the first time a star is seen after being gone for a while is the heliacal rising. However, the time frame that has passed must be less than a full year for this term to be applicable. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> There's a good reason I don't try to do a science podcast. Anyway, back to ancient Egypt. Sirius rises and sets with the sun. And back in old-timey times, they thought this meant that it was helping the sun heat things up, and therefore making the world warmer. So in their mind, the dog star made things hotter, and thus the time period of each summer when they could see Sirius became known as the dog days of summer. As far as being used in writing, this one is a bit tricky to pin down. The idea of the literal dog days of summer and their effect on people have been written about since at least the 8th century BC. Homer wrote this in the Iliad, quote, Sirius rises late in the dark, liquid sky on summer nights, star of stars, Orion's dog they call it, brightest of all but an evil portent, bringing heat and fevers to suffering humanity. End quote. From that point to now, many writers have referenced the sweat-inducing dog days of summer and the stagnant nature of this hot time period. 
Its long-standing history and annual reoccurrence has solidified its place in the vernacular. That's all I've got for this one, so now let's head out to the boondocks. It happens pretty much every day. Folks packing up their gear and heading out to the boondocks to camp out. But what exactly is a boondock? Well, the official definition means either to camp in a dry, brushy location or to stay in a recreational vehicle in a remote location without connections to water, power, or sewer services. So basically, it's camping without all the amenities. It didn't start out that way, though. Originally, when it first found its way into conversations in the early 20th century, a boondock was just a brushy rural area or a mountain. That's because it came from the Tagalog word for mountain, bundock. Tagalog is the basis of Filipino, the language of the Philippines. This word found its way into the English language during the Philippine-American War, which took place from 1899 to 1902. Over time, this translated word for mountain has become a general description of hard-to-reach or rural areas, and so it makes sense why people camp in the boondocks. The term the boonies came about during the Vietnam War and was basically just a slang for the slang. Since this one's a translation-turned-slang, there's not really a specific first use in writing out there to reference. So, let's go ahead and move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Today's metaphor is out of the frying pan and into the fire. I realize this one might fit better with a kitchen or a cooking theme than a summer-slash-camping one, but one of my favorite places to be in the whole wide world is around a campfire with loved ones. So I'm putting this saying in this episode, because I want to. <laughs> so anyway, what does it mean? If you go from the frying pan to the fire, it means you go from a bad situation to a worse one. The idea behind it is pretty straightforward. Being in a frying pan is bad, but jumping out of it into fire is definitely worse. People have been saying versions of this metaphor since at least the second century, when the Greeks would say, out of the smoke, into the flame. Many other versions have appeared over time in many different languages, so the first use in writing is kind of hard to pin down for this one as well. However, many people attribute it to a fable from the 15th century. The Italian scholar Abstaminium wrote, The Fish and the Frying Pan, which is where the modern-day version of this metaphor is thought to have originated. Here's a translation of the fable he wrote. Some fish, still alive, were being cooked in hot oil in a frying pan. One of the fish said, Let's get out of here, my brothers, in order to save our lives. Then the fish all leaped out of the frying pan together and fell into the burning coals. Stricken by even greater pain as a result, they cursed the plan which they had followed, saying, What a far more horrible death we are facing now. Some people think that Aesop wrote a version of this fable first, which would make it much older. But since there's some debate about whether or not Aesop wrote every single fable in his collection versus merely collecting some of them from other sources, no one knows for sure if Aesop wrote it first. 
or if Abstaminium did. Whichever fabled fellow first jotted down the story, the first use in English is a bit less contested. It comes from a religious argument between William Tyndall, an English scholar known for translating the Bible into modern English, and Sir Thomas More, the English author, lawyer, humanist, and much more. Some people really had a lot of titles back in old-timey times. Anyway, the argument began between these two in 1528, when Thomas More published his work, A Dialogue Containing Heresies. Two years later, in 1530, William Tyndall published a response titled, An Answerer Unto Sir Thomas More's Dialogue. Two more years go by, and in 1532, More replied to the reply with the confutation of Tyndall's answer. I had to look up confutation, and it means to refute something, so there's no doubt that the argument was still going strong. In this third offering of this rather public argument, Moore wrote about Tyndall, saying he, quote, Featly conveyed himself out of the frying pan, fair into the fire, end quote. This written argument wasn't taken any further, because both men were killed, Moore in 1535, and Tyndall in 1536. So, from ancient Greece to fables to the written word argument, this metaphor has a long and storied history. I doubt it'll fade from use anytime soon, so with that, let's hear today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Hamilton the Ham Porter, a character from one of my favorite movies, The Sandlot. These are his instructions on how to make a s'more. Quote, First, you take the gram. You stick the chocolate on the gram. Then, you roast the mallow. When the mallow's flaming, you stick it on the chocolate. Then cover with the other end. Then you scarf. Kinda messy, but good. Try some. End quote. Thank you, Ham, for giving us today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, now it's time for today's For Better or For Words, love advice from old-timey times. As always, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't think that because you have married for love, you can never know a moment's unhappiness. Life is not a bed of roses, but love will help to extract the thorns. And now for the men. Don't increase the necessary work of the house by leaving all of your things lying about in different places. If you are not tidy by nature, at least be thoughtful for others. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 56. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, 
how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you want bonus stuff, check out my Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, may your campfires be bright and your s'mores be gooey. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. I found... I don't even know what that... Well, for a term with so many variations on its meaning, I don't like that. Hot dogs as we know them were definitely invented in... (laughs) Most people think that the first hot dog served in America... Nope, I said that wrong. Anyway, back to Agent... Agent? (laughs) This is Agent Egypt reporting for duty. Every year, folks pack up their gear and head out to the boon... (laughs) No. Tagalong is the basis of Philip... Philip... Tagalong is the basis of Philip... (laughs) Why can't I say that word all of a sudden? The term the boonies came out about... Nope, nope, nope. A dialogue concerning... Moore replied to the reply with the con... The con... Oh, no, I'm gonna... Confutation. There was no further rig... Riggin? Riggin.